this is a mistake. Why would you call it that on your menu? I don't know what to tell you, man. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Honey, you think KFC's still open? Well, Ray was always uncomfortable eating with the family. I mean, after all, we do use knives and forks. Grand opening, grand closing. Gonna throw hands at James Brown. I'm sorry you're goner. The dream has no memory of that. We're not gonna let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris cut America's meat. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. I'm seeing a lot of confusion in these chubby Whataburger faces. Jenny Slate has to go to jail. Mr. Dynamite, the amazing Mr. Please Please himself, the star of the show, James Brown and the Famous Flame. Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown. Thanks for listening. This is a show where we explore ideas big and small with fascinating people. In this week, we're chatting with Barrett Sports Media columnist Ian Castleberry. We had a great conversation about baseball, broadcasting, and even Charles Barkley. And I can't wait to have him back to talk about God. You can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com or just about anywhere online at jamesbrowntv. This is a people-supported enterprise, so if you can, become a paid subscriber on Substack. Any new subscribers in the first 60 days of the show get 20% off for life. Part of that package comes our after show, called 10 the Hard Way. 10 rapid-fired questions between me and a guest. And now, my chat with Ian Castleberry. Ian Castleberry, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, James. Great talking to you. Great talking to you, too. Uh, you're a freelance writer? Yes, sir. I've done that. It's a hard life. Are you balancing <laughs> multiple careers or multiple gigs? How does that work? Yeah, uh, not as many gigs as, as I would like right now. But I've found over, you know, 10, 12 years of doing this. I actually, I feel like I do better when I'm juggling more than one thing feels like it kind of keeps me fresh if I'm doing uh, some different things. Um, uh, I mean, I've mostly been in, in sports media uh, the past few years. Uh, but um, yeah, when I, in the past, when I've covered other sports uh, here, uh, I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, I covered the Asheville Tourists for one season, um, covering Major League Baseball here and there. Uh, I Again, I find it, it kind of keeps me fresh. I enjoy juggling. The gigs, but you're right. It is a it can be a struggle, and you and you always feel like you're chasing, <laughs> chasing that paycheck. But uh, I guess you're always chasing that paycheck, right? Right. I feel like I'm chasing a paycheck. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to wonder, what's the attraction to sports media? Uh, you know, sports media is something. That's a great question. It's always interested me, even. Uh, uh, as a young person, I just, I, for some reason, we had, a, uh, I grew up uh, in Metro Detroit in Ann Arbor, and we had a sports media column there, you know, uh, who was coming and going. Uh, uh, uh. It was the mid-1990s, we got sports talk radio 
in Detroit. It's always been uh, something that, that's interested me. You know, if, if you notice that suddenly someone's on a different network or covering a different sport or you, I think you, you whether you pay attention to the announcers or not, I think you, you tend to notice who you like and who you don't like or who you prefer. Um, as far as a career, I just I happen to uh, write for uh, Blogwin's uh, baseball site, and they at the time uh, Awful Announcing was under that umbrella, and uh, they, they were the big site, you know, the the big cheese, uh, big fish in that pond, and and they asked me if I was interested uh, in writing for them, and, and again I've always had an interest in it, so uh, when they asked if I was interested in doing some writing for them. Um, yeah, I jumped at the, at the opportunity and, and it kind of, uh, took off from there. I, the proliferation of, of debate talk shows, uh, on ESPN during the day. Um, yeah, you do have to be a, a geek about it, I think, because it is very niche, you know, it's not, it's not like following a sport where you're just, you know, you have your favorite players, your favorite teams, you have spectacular games. Um, you have to kind of, uh, you have to kind of get in, in the weeds a, a little bit. and um, But I think it's also um, some people who cover sports media, I think, actually aren't geeky enough, really, in terms of, um, you know, on your side, maybe you'll appreciate this. I mean, I think some people who cover sports media, whether full-time or, or passing through, don't have enough of an idea of what's going on on that side, you know, how a broadcast is produced, what goes into uh, being an announcer, you know, what are you hearing in your ear? Uh, what are you getting from the truck? Uh, how, how do you uh, follow certain moments? Or what, what is the technology involved in, in a broadcast? And, and I feel like if you're, if you're covering it, it helps to know. Now, maybe some people, uh, including myself, have a little more interest in those sorts of things. Uh, but I think it's definitely helpful. A little bit of uh, geekiness, I think, is helpful. Some shots fired there. <laughs> no, I, I guess it came off that way. I, no, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. You know, I've, I've gotten emails uh, from people uh, on, on the executive side or the, or the production side saying, you know, well, it, it, you know, this was really the case, you know, and maybe you should have taken that into consideration. That reminds me as a writer or or a reporter that, you know, maybe you should make that extra phone call, or maybe you can, you think you don't have time to check some things and, and, and maybe you should uh, make that effort. It seems that that's not done enough. Uh, if I'm, if I'm catching you adrift. Sometimes there's just not time. I mean, it, you know, especially uh, a site like, uh, like awful announcing, you know, you, you're, you're cranking out stories. Um, there's not always time to, to check things. And, and in some cases it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're aggregating news or you're passing along opinion. But uh, when the opportunity is there uh, to look a little deeper, I think we all should. Amen to that. I want to slightly veer toward baseball. You covered it. I, I take it you're a longtime fan first before you covered it? Yeah, yeah. I grew up a fan of, of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, a fan of those uh, 1980s Tigers teams, you know they won the the World Series in '84. The Sparky American Anderson, yes, yes, uh, 1987, uh, they made it to the playoffs. Yeah, I've always had an interest in baseball. Um, 
I don't know if it maybe it was just the the sport at the time that presented the best opportunity for writing. Um, it wasn't necessarily. Uh, I, I think that there were some uh, events kind of working into place. Like uh, when I really did start to get into sports writing, uh, part part time and then full time. The Tigers were really good, so it, it was a, a good opportunity. blogger and then I went to uh, SB Nation and that turned into an opportunity uh, at Yahoo but all the time I, I think if, if uh, I hadn't been so uh, passionate about following the Tigers that I don't know if um, I would have been or, or followed through as much uh, on baseball but I always feel have felt that most of the best sports writing has been in baseball um, so even just a fan of, of, of sports writing, of storytelling, um, you find that a lot more, or you have in the past at least, found that more uh, in baseball. My guess is the depth and breadth of it, just thinking about the, the length of games. Obviously, they're, they're working on condensing them now, but games go on for a long time. There's a bit of, I guess, baseball writers, at least they used to, uh, and you know, there's still some that do. They, they sort of look at sort of the poetry of the game um, more than, yeah. say, say, a basketball writer. Uh, yeah, I think uh, certainly the length of the games, but the length of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, there are a lot of quieter moments in the game that I think uh, you're kind of uh, wondering what's going on inside a, a hitter and batter's head, whereas opposed to, I think, maybe uh, that, that happens in basketball and football and hockey, too. But... Uh, Sometimes I think those sports are just more instinct driven, you know, like you're not thinking as much about it. You just you see an opportunity and, you, you know, you you, you go uh, go toward the basket. Um, and I think also just covering the sport day to day. I know a lot of writers will say it's not uh, as much the case now as it used to be, especially post covid. But I think baseball um, because of the of the length of the day and the length of the season, there are often more opportunities to establish a bond with players, with managers, with coaches. Again, I don't know if you, you, this happens as much anymore, but you know you, you've heard stories in the past of of managers kind of just uh, hosting, you know, having everybody in his office and, and trading stories and and BSing about life or, or, or just telling some stories. And, and I, don't, I don't think you get that same opportunity uh, in other sports. When I think about baseball, I think regional and yeah. increasingly so. What do you, why do you think that is? Um, I think I think that goes toward the, the length of the season. Um, you know, there, well, there are so many games, so many teams, so many different players. But when you follow a baseball team, when you're devoted to a baseball team, I mean, it's, it's every night. It's your whole spring and summer and, and part of the fall. And, and it just becomes a routine. And you become, I think you become locked in. And uh, it, it's it's harder to follow maybe the entire sport. I mean, you do ideally you see the, the other stars for the other teams when they play your team. Um, 
but I think uh, I, th I think baseball allows its fans to, to um, maybe maybe this is allowing is the wrong word. I, I think baseball does a bad job of marketing its stars. Mm. Um, so I think it, it, that kind of puts it on the fan to find out what it is they like about the sport or about their team. And I think that is part of what, what makes it regional. Um, but we all have stories or memories of, you know, like going camping or, or, or going to, you know, like a summer cottage or out on the lake and you're, you're on the radio or you're listening in the car. Um, baseball, I think maybe not, certainly not as much as it used to be, but uh, used to be a, a very much a radio sport too. And, and I think that does have something to do with, with forming that bond with your team and a regional interest. You know, I want to step back to that statement you made about, about baseball marketing. It's, it's stars because mm -hmm. there's a moment that I've heard talked about a lot over the last week or so. Uh, Shohei Hotani and Mike Trout uh, squaring off in a World Baseball mm -hmm. Classic. And it, it was, it, honestly, it's the most I've heard people talk about an actual baseball game yeah in quite some time uh, uh maybe uh, i'd say when judge aaron judge broke the record last year but really outside of that it's been quite some time and and, and i do my, my mind tends to agree with you about baseball uh, uh not positioning its its stars as even true st stars that transcend their own sport. Um, we we know that someone like Otani does amazing things, but it he it doesn't. Uh, it, it feels like they're they're in a similar problem with hockey, mm. where uh, we know someone like Connor McDavid is amazing, but there's uh, there's not the depth and breadth of him, like there seems to be with a LeBron James or Kevin Durant even, or, or, or uh, even a, a Joe Burrow or, or Pat Mahomes. And not that they're yeah. so deep in terms of, of uh, their personal life being out there so much, but they're, if they feel larger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, with basketball, I mean, I think basketball has always accentuated the players uh, emphasize the stars. And I think social media has really um, amplified that, especially uh, the players you mentioned, like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they're on social media. They bond, they, they have a rapport with the fans, good or bad. Um, and I don't really feel like you see that as much in baseball, which is a little bit strange because we're talking about how long the season is, how many games there are. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's harder to quantify or, or show, you know, you can show a home run, you can show, um, a, a great pitch. Um, maybe part of the problem is that in, in recent years, you know, with strikeouts up so much and the shift being prevalent, baseball hasn't had as much opportunity for players to show their athleticism. 
And that's something I think in basketball and football, you know, if all else you can show a great dunk, you can show a block, you can show a steal, you can show a great run or a jump for a touchdown. Um, and it's maybe a little bit more limited in baseball. Certainly, again, you can show a home run, you can show an outstanding curveball, but it seems like there are fewer instances of seeing, say, a great catch in center field or somebody going deep in the hole at shortstop to make a, a great throw. And I think those those are the plays that baseball needs to emphasize. They just they need to show. You mentioned Mike Trout. And he's been the best player in baseball, though, I, on a national basis. I'm not sure enough people think that or know that. And I don't know if it's because baseball can't show what makes Mike Trout so great, like you know, that he, he can do everything, hit for power, uh, hit for average, speed, defense, throwing. Um, now, baseball itself would say, well, Mike Trout isn't exactly helping us out. Uh, which is sort of an eye-rolling statement. Yeah, you can, maybe you can see where they're coming from, too, is that, you know, you don't see Mike Trout on TV, say, like, a, maybe Peyton Manning's a bad example since he's not a player. Well, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is, is very much out there. He shows his personality. He, he um, wh Whether it's really what he's like or not, you know, you, you see him in those State Farm commercials, and you feel like you know the guy. And you don't. You don't see that as much in baseball. There are some guys who have that potential. Um, Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox is somebody that comes to mind. But I, I just um, – baseball, maybe it's because they've always depended on the fact that, you know, we all play baseball growing up, or at least we used to. And they, they have felt they don't need to explain why somebody is great. You know, with Shohei Otani, you can – at least you can say, well, he can hit and he can pitch. Um, but I don't feel like they baseball, whether it's baseball itself or maybe the media has said, you know, we all think, God, wouldn't it be great to have watched Babe Ruth play um, mm -hmm. pitching and hitting? And we have it. And I, I feel like the, the sport doesn't really push that enough. Yeah, it seems like their star-making machine might be broken. <laughs> and that might tie into the regionality, the regional interest uh, you were talking about, too. I don't think also, I don't know if this is something we can get into. I don't necessarily think it helps baseball that some of its best players play on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I know that's East Coast bias. And uh, with MLB TV and MLB Network, you can see highlights and you can see those plays. But, you know, if the majority of the population, the sports watching population is in the Eastern and central time zones. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. As they're playing when most of us are going to bed. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, we, we can certainly get into it. I mean, I, I know that there's been conversations about that even with basketball, right? Uh, what, I, yeah. I remember when LeBron James went West, right? And there was just this dearth of star power in the east and yeah. uh it, it, uh and i think there's been this consistent I, I think it's one of those things that that it's it's weird because a, a league can't make that consideration right because it's up to the player it's up to the teams correct 
Yeah, I mean, you always hear conspiracy theories about you know pushing players to to certain cities, right, big cities. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's the counter argument. You would say, has it did it hurt the NBA when LeBron went to Los Angeles? Maybe not, but I mean, he certainly went to one of the the sport's biggest teams mm-hmm. uh, and, and a big city. It's not like uh, LeBron went to play for Sacramento or, or um, a team with a, a little bit less glitz. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, that's that's a good question. Is, is, uh, is the NBA fan more prone to staying up late? Or, it, again, you know, it's, it's easier to show – LeBron's yeah. greatness in, in a highlight package on SportsCenter maybe than it is uh, uh, Mike Trout or Shohei Otani. Yeah, precisely. That's why I I I don't I I think it's 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 unlikely to believe for to me at least that uh, NBA fan would be more likely to you know be okay with a 10 p.m. start than a, a baseball fan. Uh, that seems a little like a you know like that that doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. It, there must be something else going on. I, I and I, I struggle with that, and I, I think that this, this sort of ties in to both the what's going on with the original sports networks, and and sort of uh, how baseball is is nationally projected and broadcast. Mm-hmm. There, there's. It seems like the showcases for the sport have sort of not vanished. Vanish is a little bit stronger word, but it seems like they're secondary. I definitely agree. Baseball. Another big problem with baseball is that nationally it just doesn't register. We've been talking about it being a regional sport, but look, I mean, it doesn't get the play on ESPN uh, that it used to, whether it's, it's the game broadcast itself or baseball tonight. Uh, seems increasingly uh, buried uh, at late hours, or or it's 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 more of a special rather than a daily show. Um, you know, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, maybe even up until the 2000s, Baseball Tonight was Baseball Tonight. You sure. watch that show uh, every night or or in the evening. But and now, I mean, you have ESPN, you have TBS, you have Fox, but um, you know, those Fox broadcasts are, are often on FS1 and I, I, this will probably make me sound old, but I, I think some people still don't know where FS1 is on their, on their cable system. I still have to think about it, which is maybe sure. embarrassing to admit, but I mean, compare that to the NBA, especially the NBA does such a good job of, of being a national sport like TNT they make their their Thursday night broadcast, their Tuesday broadcasts, an event, and a big part of that is having a studio show that is much must watch television. And baseball doesn't really have that. They have during the postseason. I think they have something close to that with the, the Fox and the TBS studio shows, and you have some some great personalities, some fun moments that that can go viral. But you don't have that during the regular season. Same with with football and. Um, you know NFL Live on ESPN, and uh, but mm-hmm. of course the, the pregame shows uh, on on the networks. Baseball just doesn't have any of that, and I think yeah, there there is a lack of a national showcase. Uh, maybe that's because we're so used to watching football, or maybe just you know sitting watching a baseball game on a Saturday afternoon 
uh, as those of us who are older may have grown up on, you know, game of the week mm-hmm. uh, and, and so forth. But that just doesn't have the appeal anymore. Um, and national networks seem less interested in uh, in showing baseball. You know, ESPN got rid of their, their midweek broadcast. Uh, uh, Turner t- took over. They're going to do uh, Tuesday night games. But it still doesn't feel like the destination that, that the NBA does there. So I, I wonder if this is – so the volume game of baseball, just to having so many games, it made their regional sports networks way profitable. And for mm-hmm. those who don't know, these sports networks are uh, – well, one, the largest of them, the behemoth, is, is something like Yes. Um, right. Or, or um, in my neck of the woods, I live in Western New York. We have MSG, or at least uh, the Western New York version of MSG. There's a downstate version of MSG as well, and uh, and there's variations of these across the country. And they sort of, as baseball sort of faded away from the national sense, they've picked up so much of the slack. And go ahead. No, no, no. Go, no, go finish your thought. I'm sorry. Well, they picked up so much of the slack and and are have been the destination for basically uh, not just baseball, but but for hockey and basketball as well. Um, only only basketball has that national profile. Hockey less so. So, and and they've been they've been destinations ratings wise. And it's been this sort of um, this natural sort of winner in this um, mm-hmm. in this old archaic system, and as it breaks down and and with no national profile, and it seems like soon less of a regional profile. Where the hell is everybody going to go? But you're really going to test. Uh fans uh loyalty and their their appetite for you know as we seem to be going more toward streaming and getting rid of of cable i mean the people who really you if you really want to watch the phillies you know you're well maybe they're not one of the regional sports networks that's uh in danger they're they're not a bally's team so let's uh Let's look at the Braves, for instance. Like, if mm-hmm. if, if Bally's Sports South, or Bally's in general, but Bally's Sports South uh, were to go bankrupt and somehow go off the air, then Braves fans, like those who want to watch the team, they'll pick up a, a streaming package. You know, is that going to be now the the price point? I think that that's a big problem for people. If if you can you justify twenty dollars a month? I mean, Netflix doesn't cost that much. Disney Plus doesn't cost that much paramount plus um you know can you justify it and say well okay well it's it's six months uh we 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 can do that but still it's not it's not the same as just like oh i'm I'm flipping around or or, oh the braves are on tonight I, i guess i'll watch that like it's just on you know you don't have to uh make such a devoted decision to it and this is something I wrote about a couple of weeks ago. Not just that. If you go strictly to that model, 
they're the Braves, for instance, they're not going to generate as much revenue if getting people to buy it on streaming versus if they get uh, a, a cable network uh, to 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 pay them, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, and I think you know that that changed the sport because these regional sports networks they needed the inventory, they needed the catalog. They wanted live sports because that's, you know, that's the programming you can't DVR, right? Because the game's happening then and they, they you know, you have a whole spring, summer, fall uh, of, of programming of, of, of nighttime game broadcasts to fill. And, and because of that, sports networks would pay millions of dollars. And that kind of leveled the playing field in baseball because you mentioned the Yankees and yes network the Yankees used to have a huge advantage because they would get millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars maybe hundreds of millions of dollars from their network from yes network and they had so much more revenue from that compared to say the Detroit Tigers but then you know the Tigers Fox Sports at the time now Bally was coming giving them a bunch of money uh, and, and suddenly they can compete, they can pay, they can put up the payroll, um, and, and compete with the Yankees. I mean, you, you've seen teams, uh, the Texas Rangers are, are a team that, that comes to mind is that the Rangers weren't necessarily as competitive from a revenue standpoint in the eighties and nineties, maybe, but they got a huge, uh, cable, uh, package or a huge, huge amount of revenue. Uh, from Fox Sports, then Bally's, and suddenly they're able to to pay major contracts uh, and, and get and get with the top with the large market teams in baseball. I'm thinking about the 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 wider effect of it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up a hardcore baseball fan. I remember I was into uh, the Orioles for a while. Like they were, uh, our, their AAA affiliate uh, were, were um, here in Rochester where I live. That's, oh, that's right. That's right. And uh, I, I used to love Brady Anderson. And, and then, uh, then my, my heart was broken as we, we learned that man was, took more roids than any, uh, no. <laughs> anyone on earth. <laughs> um, but, um, but for the most part, I haven't been a big fan. I'm a passive fan, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest thing that from from your 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 response there that I, I take away. I think there's a massive risk in in losing that passive fan, that fan that maybe would have listened to radio, but now they're not listening to radio now, uh, as not as not in a, the same levels as we did before. And if it's not going to be on television and widely available, how are they going to be exposed to this? Just social media? But even social media seems you're in your own little world there, a world of your choosing. I think baseball is making it harder. Uh, We saw this last year. You know, baseball thought it was great because they were getting new sources of revenue from Apple TV, from Peacock. Uh, these streaming packages and it's it's great from a revenue standpoint and it, maybe it's it's kind of cool to, to have you know your team on on a showcase on a Friday night or or a Sunday morning Sunday afternoon uh, 
But if you don't have either of those platforms and you tell people, you know, that they've been used to just being able to turn on their local cable network or even their local um, TV network and seeing the game. And now you're saying, okay, well, you, you can't see the Yankees play the Red Sox tonight. It's on Apple TV. Well, how do I watch that? Well, you got to sign up for Apple TV. You got to pay for Apple TV. You know, it, it's one, one of 162 games. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I think baseball has made a money grab and kind of forgotten about the fan experience in that regard. Um, you know, Apple TV, they tried, they, they made it free. You know, you, you sign up for Apple TV. You didn't have to pay for an account that's changing this year. You have to pay uh, to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to go down another path, I think Apple TV made a mistake by trying to be maybe a little too innovative. If, if that's the right word, I think they tried too hard to be different with their baseball broadcast and it turned off a lot of fans. I mean, I think ultimately fans say they want something new in sports broadcasting uh, on the telecast. And they, they do like innovations, but ultimately they just want the game. They just want the details. They don't, they, they don't want the bells and whistles to overtake anything. So, you know, Apple, they had that probability mm -hmm. thing in the corner, but didn't really explain it. They would have people who didn't uh, normally broadcast baseball, like Katie Nolan, thinking maybe that her social media following would get people to watch. But people, they just want they just want to you to tell them they call play by play balls and strikes. Why did this happen? You know, compare that to to you watch Fox and 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 John Smoltz is is explaining how uh, a pitcher sequences a hitter. Like, okay, you're, you're throwing this pitch, which leads to this pitch, which leads to this pitch. And it helps you learn the game. Um, you're not necessarily getting that when you're trying to be clever, but you're not informing the viewer. So we want iterations, but not too much iterations. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how, I mean, how do you see it, James, as as a TV viewer? I mean, you want yeah. Yeah. you want different angles sure. on, on replays and, and things like that, but um, really, you just want ultimately, right? I mean, you want okay, mm -hmm. uh, Mahomes passes to Hardman, sure, that's a first down, and then here's the replay, and you see, okay, Hardman got open because he did a double move, and, and you know. Mahomes looked off the safety, right. so forth, and then boom, you're off, off to the next play. You're not like, is it? Does it make the broadcast better if you have a camera in Hardman's helmet and you see? Maybe, maybe that seems kind of cool, but I mean, does it? Does it? Inf it adds something, but does it inform you? And I think, I think viewers like to be informed. I tend to agree with you on that one. Viewers do like to be informed. I think. I am a bit more for innovation than most viewers, but not, not to the Nickelodeon broadcast level. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I really enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast. But I mean, it was fun. It but serious. It was yeah. definitely fun, but like it was not. I didn't feel like I was watching football. I felt like I was watching a video game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is actually, we're talking about innovations in broadcast. This is actually something that baseball did um, more last season, 
but a, a little bit before that. And that's miking the players up in the field. Mm-hmm. That really added something to the broadcast. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it gave viewers something that they, you know, you always wonder, what are those guys saying to each other at first base? Or, you know, what, what are they thinking when they're out there in the outfield and a ball hasn't been hit to them in three innings or, or something like that? So we got some insight. It, it allowed the players to show some personality. And so I, I think that was an innovation that, you know, of course, you have some grumps who don't like that uh, or think it takes away uh, from the broadcast. But I, I, th- that's a, a, an example of an innovation that's not that intrusive, but it's different enough to give the viewers something they hadn't seen or heard before. And that that maybe that's baseball's ticket into you know, we don't see the baseball player's personality as much as we do in basketball and football. And if you get a, a glimpse of that, you know, like Joey Votto suddenly is the most interesting man in the world. Sure. Because we heard him mic'd uh, at first base uh, the past couple of seasons. That's a great thing for baseball. And that's an, an example of an innovation that works, I think. Speaking of Joey Votto, it's at a side, but he's one of the best interviews I've ever heard. I yeah. Have you heard him on Dan Patrick's show? I have. He's a, he is, I mean, this is kind of a cliche phrase, but he is an interesting cat, right? I mean, he, he, he doesn't just have the platitudes. He seems like he really thinks about these things. Um, you know, I, I, you've probably experienced this too. Sometimes you interview athletes and you think you come up with this great question. Sure. And, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to, to, to ask this and get the answer. And then you ask it and it just becomes apparent they haven't put as much thought into this as you did with your question because they're just great athletes and they instinctively, you know, like I just hit the ball, you know, Um, or uh, I'm just I'm just trying to make the team. I'm just trying, you know, whereas somebody like Joey Votto, they have put that much thought into it. Um, They want to be interesting. They they're not just a a jock. Um, And. Joey Votto maybe is is a unique player in that regard because he hasn't always been the same player. You know, he's changed his swing over the years. So, so again, this goes back to the thought, you know, okay, how do I hit for more power? Or people say, you know, I, I don't get enough run, runs batted in. So how do I get more RBI in situations? How do, how do I change my swing to make more contact? And Votto's gift is that he is able to articulate that and explain it to a journalist, to a viewer, whereas not just saying, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's something me and my coach are working on. He's the number one prospect for me for a Barkley-style role. Oh, yeah. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that is, that's something else baseball needs. And, you know, we talked about the studio show. Yeah, they need somebody like a Joey Votto um now will he have the platform or the outlet um maybe if if espn or tbs uh, gives him that i mean i don't i don't think mlb network is is not big enough right not big enough it's still not on some uh platforms um but you're right that's a great example if joey Votto can be a charles barkley type personality for major league baseball that would be great for the sport i think that's that Barkley coming to broadcasting right at the end of the, right as Jordan's era ended. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he started 
on TNT in 99. Wow, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. And it was a boom for the game. And uh, his both, A, can explain things well when he tries. And when he's not trying, he's funny as hell. Yeah. He's not afraid to say something controversial, something that might get him in a little bit of trouble, um, whether it's because that's just really what he thinks or he's not afraid to go for the laugh. Um, you know, like talking about big women in San Antonio. Or something. <laughs> yeah. But then he says it and you see how Shaq reacts and it, it, it's, a, it's a ripple effect from there. Yeah, I, I from yeah your perspective. What's your thoughts on Shaq as a broadcaster? Uh he's not my favorite uh, on the uh, inside the NBA crew, but I think he certainly doesn't take himself too seriously. He is willing to poke fun at himself, uh, to make fun of himself, um, and he's been, especially in recent years, a, a little bit more critical of players. Um, but I think he couldn't have Barkley's role. He needs Barkley and Kenny Smith and Ernie Johnson to, to play off of. Um, so if you want to call that a weakness, I guess that's a weakness that he needs, he needs his teammates to set him up really and, and good, good producers. But, um, he's, he's certainly, uh, improved. I, I mean, I used to think he was the weakest part. Um, of that broadcast. Maybe I guess he, in some ways he still is, but, um, he, but he also does some must see, you know, like, is he going to race Kenny to the board and trip over his, uh, microphone cord and and fall off the platform? I mean, you tune in just for that, right? It is interesting to see him sort of as a, as a, a side piece or, uh, or, uh, um, I think you're absolutely right. He's not, I could not see them building an entire broadcast team around him. I don't think he has that kind of depth. At least I haven't seen it yet. Even on his podcasts, right? Like he needs, uh, uh, who is it? Michelle Turner, who, who mm-hmm. uh, hosts his podcast. I mean, he's, he needs a more dynamic host who, ha- who will banter with him. Or he has uh, Ernie Johnson or Kenny Smith on there. Um, yeah, he's a, I don't, I don't think a Shaq podcast where it's just Shaq and a microphone like Draymond Green, I don't think that would be very good. Well, he's another interesting character. What do you think of him? <laughs> um, he, boy, he definitely wants to be, uh, media. He wants to be the next Charles Barkley and he, he's, he's pretty good at it uh i mean it's it's funny in some ways how much he cares about his podcast like especially during the playoffs um you can almost see his teammates or his coaches you know like what are you doing and but i mean i could also see from his standpoint like yeah i got some thoughts on tonight's game but you're gonna have to tune into my podcast i'm not just gonna give this to you in a quote yeah um that is if you want to call it like he'll call it new media um that is something that's definitely changed uh, the dynamic between uh, media and athlete. But I think, yeah, Draymond has a, a bright future. I think TNT is extremely fortunate that 
if and when, well, when Charles Barkley finally retires, that uh, Draymond Green can step into, can sit in that chair and he'll never be another Charles Barkley. We're never going to have another Charles Barkley, but somebody who's pretty close who can, who can sit in that chair and be entertaining uh, two, three times a week. Charles has been threatening retirement for the last 20 years. Uh, I, I, I think he, he's going to die on that set. <laughs> he likes it too much, right? Now there's these stories that he, he might do CNN oh, uh, what, once a week with Gail King. That seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> it, it does. Yeah, you know, Charles Barkley, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is he, is he somebody you want to hear talk about everything? Uh, you know, I mean, he—it's interesting that he has opinions about politics and things outside of basketball. But you put him on a show where he's not going to talk about basketball. Is he, you know, is he going to show that he's out of his element in some ways or not as informed? My gut reaction is that I would want to hear him talk about it, but not with not with Gail King. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know their chemistry. Maybe they have amazing crackling chemistry, and we just don't know. But I don't. My, I, I would doubt it. That's a good question because Gail King tends to be kind of a dominant. I'm, I'm the boss here, kind of personality. That doesn't um, that work. you have to. I mean, you just look at her career. Like if you haven't played ball so to speak with gail king you know like nora o'donnell or whoever mm-hmm. that sure boom, you're off you're off the set you're off the show um so yeah you must be right they must have some chemistry or whether whether or not they in in regular life that people know chris licked and, and the producers at cnn think this is something that could work. But yeah, just like, you know, just saying, well, she's a great personality and he's very outspoken. And so let's put them on a show together. I mean, that's not always the formula for success. And on the CNN side, it seems like a strange experiment. I, if I'm thinking with cable news, I understand they're under pressure. CNN's ratings have been in the tank. Uh, They're falling to a distant third at this point. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're going to be turned around by a one day a week show. No, no. I mean, you have, you're setting it up. So you have to have what you you not only have to have one good show that people are going to tune into, but now you're saying, okay, we have to come up with four, right? Because we need like, okay, we have something on Tuesday. We have Gail and Chuck on Wednesday. Now we need something on Thursday. That's really tough to do. Yeah. And it's not the cable news way, typically. It, it, Isn't that why they got rid of Larry King? Because, I mean, yeah, he, he did good interviews. But then sure. what about, okay, we, we're bombing, you know, we just invaded Iraq. And Larry King shouldn't be anchoring that coverage. I mean, that's going to happen on CNN, right? Yeah, but I think you roll with it. Like, I think, um, I, if I, from what I remember, they, they usually included him in the coverage. They wouldn't. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't like make him central to it. They they they'd they'd uh, have him do an interview, you know, or talk to correspondents for that hour, you know, if it was a big event. Um, but not 
um, but not make it like a, a typical Larry King, you know, celebrity interview, you know? Maybe that's one reason why Gail and Charles Barkley would be a good fit. Because you could see Gail King doing that, right? Sure. Like she could kind of anchor. Yeah. Or, but, you know, like if there's a, a school shooting, I don't know how much you want to hear from Charles Barkley in that yeah. situation. Yeah, that would be a strange situation to put him then. I, I, he's had some good moments when dealing with some heavy issues, but. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What do you want to do that regularly? I, that seems strange. Uh, that it seems like why would you want to? You're already signed a massive contract with TNT. To not do that, why add that to your plate? It seems a bit. Is it just too good opportunity to to say no to? Is that what it be. is? I mean, if hey CNN offered me a show, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> they think I can do it, so I'm going to do it. You and me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone listening to this, if you, you know. So, in any open. any famous last words? Uh, well, first of all, thanks so much for uh, having me on. It's been great talking to you. Um I I you know, we, we've been talking about the the struggle of baseball and, and waning fandom and I struggle with that myself. Um, I don't write as much about baseball as I used to. I don't watch as much baseball as I used to. Part of that's because the Tigers are my team and they've been terrible uh, in in recent seasons. Um, Maybe part of it is just growing, getting old and, you know, like I got to devote how much time each night to to, to baseball. But I still love the sport. I I still I, I loved seeing the attention that baseball got during the World Baseball Classic. I think it does show that when there is a big event, and maybe some of that is USA, USA, um, you know, we're always going to root for our country. But when there are big moments and spectacular players to be watched in baseball, it's still a riveting sport. Well, Ian Castleberry, thank you for joining me. James, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to all of the above. Let me know what you think at James Brown TV on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook or at James Brown TV at gmail.com. You can follow my work at James Brown This is a people supported enterprise. So if you can become a paid subscriber, all subscribers in our first 60 days get 20% off for life. It's a great deal. But for now, I'm James Brown. And as always, be well.